Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. Glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm on cool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're on cool. Is it my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Life big. All right, Go Bros. Welcome to the Go Bro Room. Coming from Chicago area today, I got Mr. David Salas. Is that how I say it, David? That's right, Salas. Hey, Pat, how you doing today? Good, good. Salas, like solid, but with an S. And uh, <laughs> anyways, I got David here on the line, and uh, we're getting ready to get deep into the GoPro room. So, uh, David, welcome to Grab Life Big. Great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, buddy, why don't you give everybody a little rundown on who you are, like five-minute inter- five dissertation, your life, the day you were born until now. Cool. No problem. Well, so starting out, I'm 32 now, born in Pales Hills, which is a southern suburb of Chicago land. Both my parents were on and off entrepreneurs. My father owned and worked as an electrician in his electrical business. Plus, he flipped some houses here and there. My mother did some medical transcription, but that really didn't interest me. More so, it was my father that I think made the impact of who I am today because I loved every minute of the just chaos of the imbalance of uh, how we had to balance family and work. But I did uh, understand money at a young age because seeing him and uh, what he has done and what he was uh, what he was doing, I think I had a business mindset since eight years old when I used to walk the uh, forest uh, right behind our house, which also backed up to a golf course. At that point, what I would do is just look for golf balls, clean them up, and resell them there on the course. Uh, so I did pretty well at a young age just doing that. Of course, that business, like many of them, had failed, and the reason was because of my parents' divorce. I believe it was 10. I was 10 years old when they separated, and that's when things, I think, really got real for me because my mother wasn't the breadwinner by any means, and what happened was we had to move to the rougher side of town. From there, I think there was uh, half my friends were really involved with some bad things, whether it was drugs or stealing or what have you. And then the other half uh, grew up in in, uh, happy, healthy, and wealthy families. And I think, you know, picking what side of the fence or the tracks, literally speaking, was it that I wanted to be on was kind of the the battle for a while since one side was fun. The other side obviously had a success track record. But I always look back on how my parents were successful and what friends they chose And that definitely influenced me to pick the friends that I have today. And the friends that I had, basically, which are the same ones I have today, were still business mind, had a business business mindset, 
Uh, they were, uh, we started actually flipping cars at a young age. 14 is when I actually purchased my first, although I wasn't able to drive it, still had some interest of just driving it on the black. <laughs> but we fixed that one up. I think I made a few hundred, flipped a couple others, made a few thousand, but I owned uh, well over 30 cars before I was in my early 20s, which is how I basically raised my own capital just throughout the years, just being good at making money and saving money. But at the age of 18, when I uh, actually graduated high school, I actually went into become a car salesman to just learn sales tactics and such, but I was just absolutely horrible at it. I totally failed. And my father introduced me to being an electrician, but with one promise, and that was that I was going to continue my education. I didn't understand why, since education and a degree wasn't a requirement for where I wanted to go and the assets that I wanted to own, but I knew just still going to school for personal development and taking an array of classes from the basics to to business and marketing and advertising and such, and a few real estate classes as well. Although I do not have my real estate license, I just took those classes for my own mindset. While doing that schooling and while working full-time, I also worked a second job for many years. In fact, one of those was pretty interesting. It was de-icing airplanes at uh, Midway Airport here in Chicago. That was one in the winter and I always had one in the summer, of course. But going back to just hustling and saving money and making money, I saved up uh, 25000 by the time I was 19, turning 20. And that's when I purchased my first house. Keep in mind, this was back in 05, 06. So what I did was I purchased the home, refixed it up, went to sell it. But at this point, the values were diminishing every month when none of us really knew what, what was happening and how hard and impactful it was going to be. I talked to a couple agents as I cycled through them, not thinking that they were doing their job when really it just turned out to be my issue, knowing or not knowing the market where it was going. But slashing prices every every month started to really impact me. So what I was able to do was refinance it, take cash out, and then took that money and bought a second house. At this point, I was 20. And now I was stuck with two houses and they were going down quickly. So the only choice I had was to sell it come out of my pocket with 50 grand at that point, or just to lease it and ride the wave. And that's how I got into rentals. From that time, I was able to save cash, although I was actually foreclosing them. And I also had to file a bankruptcy because of that back in 2011. But all that made a huge impact on me. I learned the hard way how to basically buy and hold and how to find tenants. And I've been doing that since. I acquired I'm up to 24 units now. I hope to be at 29 by the end of the year. Started with the residential, of course. Then I went into buying single condo units, uh, the individual units in a building. And then uh, lately, for the last year and a half, I've been studying and I've been buying industrial commercial condos, condo complexes rather. And that's been doing really well for me. One other thing that I haven't mentioned was several years back, my father and my brother have started this little side business of sports memorabilia. And what I did was I actually jumped in, became, I was an investor for quite a while, making good money off of them. And I started feeling bad and I realized, hey, I see an opportunity to scale this. And that's one other thing, an accomplishment that I have came about doing in the last five years now, maybe six. We scaled a uh, business from basically my father and my brother 
up to about 11 employees now. We had two locations, and it's uh, it's a growing business. I think this year we're going to do about 2.1 in uh, in the sports memorabilia side. And that and that's um, like retail people come into the store to buy these things, or they get them online, or both. You know what? Uh, the storefront never really made sense to us since uh, square footage prices are closer to four times the amount of where we're at now. So we just stuck with online retail. So why do you say two locations? Well, we had one in Phoenix as well. And then logistically, a lot of things didn't make sense. But at the time, it did. And that's why we did it. We had a what, lot of player signing going on out there. A storage facility or something? Well, the way it worked was uh, we had a lot of... Um, players doing signings for us and a lot of them were actually out that way in arizona and uh, california and the reason i started that out there was because that's i was living out in arizona at the time my father still lives out there but we were getting a lot of contacts out that direction so logistically it didn't make a lot of sense to ship items back up to chicago basically shipping it twice so we just housed it at one location down there so you just had locations so you got these like nfl players or baseball players they sign stuff. Is it on consignment? And then they give it to you. You got to buy it from them and then you up and then you put a profit on it and sell it. How's it work? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it, it all comes down to a relationship style business. And we have many uh, contacts within the industry that they're either friends of the athlete, uh, the attorney of the athlete, the management firm of the athlete. But the way we structure our deals are a lot of them are per piece. Or sometimes the players like to go per hour basis. So I think on average, our average player, we might be into for closer to 20, maybe 25,000. And that's typically about an hour and a half to two hours time frame. So you just pay them by the hour and then you pay them 25 G's and then they sign as many as they can. Then you collect them and then your job is to get them, you know, recognized or people to see them on the internet and then buy them. And you're allowed, yeah, to that's put, right. you're allowed to put on whatever price you want on them, right? Well, yeah, you know, by all means. Basically, we, uh, we wholesale a lot of them out as well. We have a lot of contacts that uh, do the same just because with this business, it's all about being diversified. I mean, the odds of you coming to my store and looking for something in particular is highly unlikely unless I had a, a larger view-based inventory. So we do a lot of sometimes trading, but more so just selling to other wholesalers or retailers. Wow. So another question I have for you. Okay. So, you know, you went from buying little single families to buying uh, condos, right? Individual condos. And you say you bought condo complex. How do you buy a condo complex? What are you actually buying? Or are you creating, well, condo? are you building this thing? Or are you no. So the way it worked was uh, after the foreclosures or during the foreclosures of the single family houses, I moved into the individual residential condo space. So I was just buying one, one condo unit in a, in a larger building with stronger associations or certain requirements that I was looking for. But I would definitely focused in on D plus and then try to improve the interior. Obviously, there's not much I could do with the exterior just being a condominium built building. But Definitely made phenomenal returns there of excess of 25% plus. I mean, there's some deals that were closer to 30, 32%. You mean mean flipping them, right? No, no. Buy and hold. Never never sold a property in my life. You mean cash on cash? That's right. Okay. So you're buying these. You're you're renting them out for 20%, 25% cash on cash. And then back to the question, what, how do you buy a complex or is that just a figure of speech? 
No, so that's going from the single residential condo units. One thing that I have been focusing in on for the last year and a half are what I have been obtaining, and now those are the industrial condo complexes. So, oh, industrial uh, condo complexes. So you buy exactly. You buy the what? You, so you're just buying one condo, but it's an industrial. No, space. I, I'll actually buy the whole strip. So the last uh, one I got was a 12 unit building. So obviously it's it's 12 units, but uh, this one actually had three solid tenants that made up the entire 12. Some of them had four units, some had five units. So it just kind of so, came out to. So why why would you call it a condo? Well, because they're single, they're individual units within one larger building. So, so they're basically deeded, renting out. They're all deeded separately. Just it happened to be owned by the same owner. And you're the same owner. If you wanted to, you could you could sell them all twelve to twelve different people. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, fascinating. Yep. Very fascinating. Okay, cool. So let's get in some nitty gritty on your one sheet here. First of all, what is your percentager? Right now, I'm sitting about a a one ten. Hundred ten percent. Okay, good. Right. And what's your net worth? Right now, it's about one point. Two, it's, so it's actually 1267598 to be exact. Okay, so, and do you have ownership in this memorabilia company? Yeah, so it's right now it's 50% I and 50% my brother. We kind of, we actually did per, uh, buy out my father in the meantime. So what's the EBITDA of that? Say it again? What's the EBITDA? What's, what's it profit? What's that thing profit? It does two, 2.1 million gross. 2.1 million gross. This year, I think we might be closer to 2.2, but the net on that would be honestly closer to 300, 290-ish. So what, and is that, do you guys take salaries? You know, it's surprisingly enough, no. We've been reinvesting all of our cash right back into that company. And same goes with all my real estate holdings, just reinvesting 100% back into those businesses, I guess, as well. Your net worth seems low. I mean, if you took for all these things, right? For all this liability you have. So you have, let's say 300, that's 150 to you. If you could sell it at 5X, that would be 750 right there in the company, right? Yeah. Plus we're sitting at uh, well over, I think 325, 330,000 in inventory, wholesale inventory as well. So then what about all this real estate? Like, is it like what? Uh, what's your loan to value average if you averaged all this real estate that you have? I would say I'm closer to forty percent LTV on the real estate. And what's that worth? Do you think the gross number on all your real estate? Real estate was closer to because my total assets was two point one million, okay. uh, and then my total liabilities is nine hundred thirty nine thousand. And you're including the business in that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess when you say you own 24 units, I guess they're all like really, well, with 24 units, they'd have to be average uh, value about a hundred grand. Huh? Yeah. A lot of them vary. There's some that are well over 150 per on the residential side. And then there's a lot that I purchased closer to 30,000, 32, but I, I bought them right. The market definitely went up and those units now are worth closer to 75 to 80,000 per. Oh, that's, that's fascinating that that you could buy, I mean, a, a condo for 32000 you know, or a house, I guess, you know. Yeah, it wasn't, the neighborhood a little rough. They're <laughs> in the ghetto. Do you Section 8 them? No, I, I don't. I, I just don't believe in that. 
so you're renting them to regular tenants in a bad neighborhood essentially that's your that's your model yeah, yeah it, you know it, it's a c it's a c area some people like to think it's a c plus but i, I think it's closer to a c okay you don't you carry a gun when you go there no, <laughs> okay. I don't. I actually uh, applied for my concealed carry license, so I'm still waiting for that. But I, I don't know if I would actually be carrying that. It's not that bad. Okay. No, because I grew up. Not, shy rat, right? Right. No, and and you know, like I was telling you about the, the the two sides of the tracks. All the other friends of mine that are no longer friends. They. This is the other side of the tracks that I was hanging out. So I'm I'm very familiar with the area. Okay. So it's a, the op. It's kind of like. The other side of the tracks from Chirac. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay, cool. All right, let's get let's get into some giving. What's your giving ratio? And the way you know you figure that out is if you let's say you make three hundred grand a year and you give thirty, that's ten percent. You give three, that's one percent. Right? What's your giving ratio? How much are you giving back to the children of Chirac or wherever the how you want to donate? <laughs> you know, Pat. Uh, a lot of my family has a lot of issues, and I've been helping there a lot of personal things between my mother and my my one brother. And I do donate a lot of time uh, to assist there, and and obviously I do pay for a lot of uh, needs that my brother needs as well as my as my mother. After the divorce, it really impacted her, so I've been helping her out actually ever since I was fourteen, and that was one of the reasons I got my first job at that young age as well. So, are they just uh, bringing... drug, drug issues? Drug issues on my brother's side, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got one of those. Or, or you yeah. know, yeah, that's, uh, that's fascinating. You know, it's interesting as you think that that is a, that donating to family is, because I recently am dealing with this personally, and the more that I talk about, the more I find, like I was in South Africa, and there were 16 of us, and we started talking about this, and two other members that were on the bus that day, we were taking a long bus trip through South Africa from one point to the next, said, look, I got this thing going on where I'm giving X amount of money every month to my parents or to my brother or to my sister, whatever it may be. In one instance, it was like the whole family. It was like four family members he was you know, buying televisions and iPhones for and all this shit. And it was fascinating. And we decided to have a separate mastermind, three of us, at a separate restaurant that lasted for an hour on how to handle yeah. family giving. You know, it's very, right. I'm finding it very difficult to do because, you know, we're capitalists and yet we're socializing our own family, which then makes us hypocrites. I mean, it's very, it's a fascinating mastermind. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, and I almost wonder if that should be another little column within the one sheet or if that kind of reflects into the contributing hours. But I, the way I just kind of came up with my number was, you know, simply going off of how much money I'm at, am I actually spending or losing, depending how you look at it, because I did uh, give my mother one of my candles to live in pretty much rent-free. So there's, there's a lot of expense there, right, or, or loss of profit on the business end. But uh, then there's a lot of hours as well contributed. But this come up with a percentage. I, I am closer to about 4%. I wish I could do more and not so much with the family, but outside of the family. But that's just where I'm at right now. Yeah. I mean, no, you know, yeah. I mean, I think like everyone has different goals for different things, you know, and some people's goal is 10%, which is huge. 
you know, some people's goals, David Osborne's and Michael Mayer's, we had a, a, one of our trips we took, I think it was Peru, you know, they both decided on that Peru trip that they were going to give 250000 a year away. And I believe they both did that, but they make a shit ton of money. So, you know, I think right. 10% is a lofty goal. A lot of people are below 1%. It's not right or wrong. It, it, you know, it just everybody has different goals. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your life happiness index. What if I averaged up all the numbers on your LHI, where do you come? I'm at 6.2 right now to date. All right. So, so what's bringing that down, David? What, what, what is the worst? Well, honestly, it's, it's the vertical income. Um, it's, I'm still working full time for Exelon, which is I'm, I'm a work for the power utility company. And honestly, it just drains me. It's mentally draining because they're 12-hour shifts. And really, well, my passion well, is... Wow. Yeah. So you're this big entrepreneur and you got all this stuff going on. You're yeah. at 110%. So obviously, you, you don't have to. So what, right. so, and what are you doing? What is your job? So I'm in uh, operations. I basically run all the field crew in the city of Chicago for any trouble or planned outages. Oh, really? That's got to be stressful. And there's a lot of people. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and I'll tell you, it was always another little goal of mine, not so much a dream, but just a goal that when I was an electrician, I wanted to always get into power utility company because I felt as if they had more freedom within their job. But that, that proves to be completely false. <laughs> what, I, what, I have never been so busy or overwhelmed. What would it take for you to quit that? You know, Pat, I, I, I knew this, this would come up, and this is one thing in my uh, GoPod uh, that I was always struggling with, and they're holding me accountable. And, and it hurts because I'm only able to meet with my GoPod probably, if I'm lucky, once a month just because of my other job. But, you know, the answer simply there was once I was able to, well, I was purchasing two more individual condo units, which is complete now. That was one of the goals. And then the other half of the goal was to finish with my business line of credit and business loan for Ultimate Autographs, which is now complete as well. So, Pat, I'm days away from actually pulling the plug and and calling it quits. I just wanted to get those two achievements completed and under my belt before I was able to feel confident enough to call it quits. Are you going to do it? Yes, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny. I mean... It's wow. hard. I mean, it's, you know, so next year always, you won't it's, work it's there, a middle-class right? mindset, right? The safe and secure, yeah, you, get out of you know, so corporate 2018, job. you will not be working there, correct? Bottom line. That's correct. 2018, for sure. I'm hoping in the next week and a half, I'm, I'm pulling the plug, but just want to make sure I get all my ducks in a row first. Well, um, I'll text you, actually. I got your cell phone here on your yeah. line-in sheet, so I'll text you in a week. And see. <laughs> that's awesome all right cool so let's talk about your health so you know yeah. what's your health like what are your uh, first of all how much do you weigh 210 what do you want to weigh i always like the 205 mark to be honest with you i'm right. six two so, so that's about right and so what are your what do you eat what are your eating habits like that's one thing on my uh, on my quarterly goals that I want to work on underneath my health and nutrition. Looking to get it down to only maybe two junk meal junk meals a week. Right now, I'm sitting at like six. Okay, two junk. What what do you consider a junk meal? You know, I'm still fascinated. I still love McDonald's, man. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, so two, two McDonald's meals. 
So two McDonald's. I would say, yeah, two McDonald's meals. <laughs> and then, okay, so rather than talking about what you, what's terrible about yeah, you know what? Okay, so two McDonald's was a week out of twenty-one. That's ten percent. What about the other ninety percent of the time? What do you? Eat? Well, luckily, I have a lovely new girlfriend, and she's a health nut. So she definitely uh, makes sure things are gluten-free, free of sugars, and so on and so forth. So tonight, I believe she's cooking some fish. We alternate between fish and chicken, but mainly a fish diet. Have you come clean to her about the McDonald's incidents? <laughs> <laughs> well, she brings it up to me. Uh, you know, cause <laughs> speaking of- you don't take her there. You, you're like one of those guys. You're by yourself, like hiding out with a... Um, disguise on a fake mustache and glasses <laughs> well Pat, you know it's it's hard from when you're working 12 hours and then you want to go up to the office make sure that the, the daily tasks for the employees were completed or if i want to go look at a real estate deal how do you how do you find the time to come home and eat and then go right back out when everything is crave it. the opposite you direction crave it. And, and, yeah you crave it too i think i know what it's you just say. so easy yeah you know what? i think it's psychological too because when you work that hard it's not a depression, but it's almost like a, I deserve, you know, carbs. It's and a reward food. to yourself. Yeah. yeah, it's a reward. I deserve to eat whatever I want. I find that too. You know, if I'm busting my ass, I'm like, screw it. You know, I'm going to have some drinks or I'm going to, you know, get a cheeseburger or whatever. But like, if I have a if I have an easy day and I take a nap in the middle of the day, I, you know, I don't feel like drinking. I don't feel like, you know, can do a sal. You know what I mean? I really think it's psychological. You know what I mean? If you're grinding, a lot of times you eat like shit. I do. And you know what my problem is, which I'm sure most people are as well, where you think that way, but then it catches up to you, right? So a few weeks back, I, uh, my, I was driving and my mind went just, bonkers my left arm went numb i had a massive headache there was all these different signs right of like a heart attack right but I, I'm, I'm thinking oh, i'm too young for that my mother called me like four times i was going through this anxiety panic attack so i then answered to my mother what, what is going on ma and she's like what's wrong with you why would you answer like that and i told her what i was going through she goes you're having a heart attack you need to get to the hospital and she goes it's way <laughs> worse to have a heart attack when you're younger than it is older so then she really scared me. I drove to the hospital, checked in. They did all the tests. Luckily, it wasn't a heart attack, but it was severe panic attack slash anxiety. And I know my diet did not help with with that diagnosis. So it's just getting your you know mind on track, and that's my issue these days. Yeah, and, it, and quite frankly, it was probably more the stress and the the overwork caused. Most that. definitely. Again, if you were at the spa and you had worked out for an hour and a half. And then, you know, got a massage, you know, and drank <laughs> a lot of water. <laughs> I guarantee you wouldn't have had a hurt arm and a headache. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. I think it's stress. I mean, it's the food and the stress, but it's probably, it's the stress that causes the food in my mind. It I is. believe, so, you know, I believe, it, it, who knows, but I'm with you. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So that's a good goal, but that'll come naturally, I think. When you become a full-time, you know, freedom fighter and entrepreneur and all that, which you will in the next couple of weeks. So I think some of that's going to, that's surely going to pull from the stress from you. Most definitely. All right, cool. All right. So let's see. Have you done the GB9 yet? I know you just joined in, uh, recently in Austin. Yeah. I tried it a few times. I'm sitting about 270-ish or so, I think, for my score. 270? Okay. 
All right. Well, uh, that's pretty good for 32. At, uh, you know, that means you got a – did you add your age to that? So you did like a 240 yeah. plus a – jeez, wow. Plus a 32. You're killing it. I, I think you're cheating on something, but we'll see when you come to <laughs> – <laughs> I don't think don't you're all the way down on the squat. So I don't think your ass is touching the chair or something. But okay, cool. What about all right? And uh, tell me, so you got a good uh, go pod already started? Is it is a bunch of new guys yeah. in the go pod, or when you know what? Um, tell me about that. Yeah, you know, I think most of us are newer guys. Uh, I met uh, two of them in Austin, Devin and uh, Camille great guys the rest of them uh if i end up do going to steamboat i would i think everyone else is going to be going up there as well from my pod but uh yeah it's phenomenal and, and i think the best thing about the pods is just the idea that it holds you accountable i mean look at what i plan on doing here in the next week and a half or so dude here's the thing I, you're not gonna have a job so you really you really have no <laughs> not to go right yeah i i I know i i'm contemplating all the time but it's been great i mean that's probably the biggest achievement that i've always wanted to overcome ever since even high school just you know you get out at 18 you're thinking oh shit here's the real world and i don't like this (laughs) how do i get out of this how do i do my own thing when and when i want to do it that's the freedom that comes with this big move so i finally feel more than comfortable to, to do this leap and and thank god for the the go pod to assist me and hold me accountable i love it okay cool so all right so let's do our uh, flagship question here and we'll wrap this up uh, david so sure. you know this is a life question basically you're answering it in the first person not the third person i mean you're not talking to me you're talking to somebody else so you need to pick somebody that you're going to call and here's a scenario you're on a plane and it's crashing you see smoke in the windows you have 30 seconds to pick up the phone in the plane and call somebody on planet earth before you die so go oh man well i would definitely call my mother i would definitely explain to her that I appreciate all the things she's ever done as far as uh, trying to still keep me in with the right group of friends after we did that move, but uh, also keep me level-headed about certain things in life that she tried to teach me the right and wrong of, but she's, she's the one that I don't think I ever expressed to her enough how much I cared for her or loved her. We hardly ever meet up and uh, I hardly ever say, I love, I love you. All right, buddy. Good job. Now, your, what's your relationship with your father? You know, he moved to Arizona back when I was 19, right when I was buying that first house. That's how I remember it. And when he moved out there, we talked maybe once a month ever since. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how that, that happens. You know, there's another guy. Yeah. Father moved to Columbia, South America. And I'm like, you know, who does that, right? I mean, like... <laughs> I don't, I don't it, it's, it's hard, stuff, but I, I don't know who I just don't understand. My, my, I plan to be yeah. like that grandfather that like lives next door. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, same here. I know, and, and that's that's what we want as well. And that's why I think it's so hard for me to you know come to the next step of marriage and children, just because I don't feel like I can raise the kids how I want to raise them. Because the parent, you know, like my mother. <laughs> living in the bad side of town, right? And then my father was in, in, in Arizona. It's just not so practical. Yeah, that's a limiting belief, though. You know what I mean? Like, 
God, you know, there's single mothers that work two jobs with five kids living in shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's tons yeah. of people doing yeah. it in way worse yeah. situations. That's a limiting belief. How old is your girlfriend? Uh, same age, 32. Okay. So she's probably, her clock is ticking. Her tie up, her clock is ticking. <laughs> if she wants, <laughs> I get the pressure here and there. Does she yeah, she does. Okay. Yeah. And you guys have been going out how long? This one's more fresh. Uh, we're sitting at nine months right now. Oh, okay. Well, shit, bring her, to, bring her to Steamboat with you, you know? Does she like to ski? She does. Uh, <laughs> she's Polish. She came from uh, the motherland. Uh, they had 12, so I think she was doing a lot of that back there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it'd be a good opportunity. Both of you guys come up, and that's a beautiful, beautiful um, place to ski and, and hang out. And so, anyway, so cool. Yeah. Well, listen, David, I hope I get to meet you face to face in the near future. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and being real candid with your answers. It sounds like you got an awesome thing. You're, you're already 110%. A lot of people are at like 10, and not 110, and, you know, thinking about doing the same thing that you're thinking about doing or you are doing. Yeah. I'm sure you could do it. You know how to do it. You know what to do. And it'll be probably the best thing you ever did because it'll have you working so much uh, more focused on the horizontal stuff, which is what really counts. Most definitely. Yeah. Thanks again, Pat. I appreciate everything. Right, buddy, and, this was uh, fun. I'll talk to you. Have a great yeah, day. You as well. Thank you. Grab life big. <laughs>